0: You're very welcome to the, the first uh, Clash Act podcast of 2021. Uh, unfortunately, Aidan Taggy Fogarty uh, has finished up with the podcast for this season, uh, but we'd like to just give Taggy a big thank you for uh, all his help in getting it up and running uh, and doing the five or six shows with us uh, during all of last year. So it was great to have Taggy there and we wish him the best for the year ahead for himself. But I'm delighted to be joined today on today's podcast with uh, Kilkenny Hurling legend, Owen Larkin. Owen, good uh, evening. Good evening, Good evening, Eddie. Owen, we, we'll dive into it it's, uh, you know you've, you've been retired out of Hurling a couple of years you know no one had any doubt in their minds that Owen Larkin was going to disappear into the wilderness and build a little cottage in the forest uh, you've you've taken the plunge and you've taken a senior Hurling team in Carlos so you're starting out this season with Ballin Um, how's things going so far?
1: Yeah well they're difficult enough I suppose for like everyone Um, we we did manage to get going for a little while and before things shut down again so uh, just waiting on, on the go ahead again. I suppose when the schools go back, things hopefully start opening up. But uh, look, I suppose it was a natural progression. Um, age wait, waits for no man, you know. Their legs don't get any younger, so it was a natural progression to, to get into management and things like that. You know, I always wanted to be involved in the game when I finished playing, and I, th- I think this is the this is the best way to do it. Some people like the punditry side and, um, and that kind of thing. But I think from, I suppose... Maybe the mid-20s, my mid-20s, you know, right to the end of my career, this is all I wanted to really do once I finished up playing so delighted to get the opportunity in um, like they're a fabulous team being in the county final last year and I think the semi-final the previous year as well so um, I haven't seen too much of them hurling ways I, I've watched a couple of uh, videos of, of their matches last year and you know they, they have the makings of a really nice team and they're, they're a young team as well which is which helps I suppose me in general that you know the, the team will be around for maybe two or three years at least um, together so look I'm just hoping to bring something uh, that bit extra to it and hopefully get more of a lane this year
0: and the competition in Carlow it, it, it is fierce you've got you've got the likes of St Mullins obviously Mount Leinster Rangers Ballon Like there's a lot of the games I've, I've been lucky enough to get to go and watch a good few of the games in the Carlo Championship and I mean Carlo hurling. I mean, the, the county team, it's not reflective of and the county team is doing okay within themselves. Probably this year was a bit of a disappointing year for them, but in general the club hurling scene in, in Carlo, it's 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 fiercely competitive. I mean at at that end, there's never much more than a puck of the ball between three or four sides and I am sure you've you've looked at the oppositions, the likes of Mount Leinster Rangers, like this is this is I know you're hoping for a great year for Ballon Killen, but this is going to be a seriously tough year for you.
1: Oh, absolutely, I'm under no illusions, you know, I, I, just because I'm going out there is not going to Um, is not going to make any difference you know the lads will have to really work hard and um, obviously I have a plan in place that I think we can improve um, from last year and you know I know from speaking to the lads down there they're very disappointed with the way they, the way they hurled in, in the final they, did, they feel they didn't do themselves justice but in saying that you know the, the semi-final they played against Sam Mullins they played very very well and still only won by two points so like it's very competitive down there and even if you go back you know to 2019 Sam Mullins contested the Leinster final against uh, Ballyhale and ran them all the way and if you go back another couple of years then Mount Leinster Rangers were you know, one Leinster and you know got to an All Ireland uh, club final. Yeah, yeah. So, like the, the the standard of hurling down there is very, very good. And you know, as you say, there's only a puck of a ball between you know three or four teams down there. So, um, like it's going to be a difficult year. But you know, I, I love the challenge as a hurler now, and this is this is going to be another challenge as a manager as well. And uh, look, I I'm, I'm just hoping I can add something to the lads and maybe. You know, get the extra couple of percent that that they need um, to maybe get to a county final and go on and win it. I think it's it's uh, two thousand four since the since the last one the the final up there. So um, and it's a good crop of young lads as well. It doesn't there's no real real experienced lads there. Um, so like. They're, they're still learning you know they're still developing um, and there's a good few you know kind of teenagers there as well 18, 19 maybe um, as well you know good hurlers coming through as well so like there's, there's a good crop there and if I can bring them on a, a small bit um, during the year and hopefully you know, you never know at the end of the year then uh, where we'll be
0: Yeah no fingers crossed and we'll come back to killing in a while because I just want to talk to you about you know pre-season during lockdown and we'll come back to that in a little bit but does this end does this end your, your your hurling career on the field or will some poor junior D hurling team be put to the sword by you during the, during the year or what's what's the thoughts at the moment uh,
1: uh, to be honest about it, I, I I said after last year that last year would be me be me last year and you know I, I struggled for probably the previous two or three years with a few injuries and things like that and my back was at me and i always trouble with migraines and uh I and mean be back and back at me again then last year. So um I had said, you know, at the end of last year that would be the end of the senior anyway. So I, I think I'm gonna stick with that. Um I didn't like I wouldn't have wanted to end it ended like it ended last year, you know, getting bet in the semi final and not being on the field. So but, you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But look I'm hoping to go back and uh, play a bit of junior but um it's gonna be a hard year I think. You know because all the club action is going to be probably on at the same time you know with COVID and things like this so um it's like my focus really is on balling Hill this year hundred percent committed to that and if I can manage to um get a few junior games in with with, with the club here um I'll try and do that as well you know that, that's if the body stays stays right and but I think probably if I go back playing junior, the body probably will stay alright because I won't be doing as much kind of sl- heavy slogging throughout the year you know that kind of way so but like I said my focus and 100% commitment is that ball and killing for the time being and you know if I can get a couple of junior games in well and good and just,
0: just <clears> with, with the club game because I, I just want to take a look back to your own career and kind of look back at where it began and obviously your club is like, like all players really you know you Club is paramount and everything that you have and, and everything you hold there. But, you know, you've had a very successful club hurling career. Um, you've won, I think it's three senior county titles with, with James Stevens. You've an All Ireland title in the bag there with James Stevens as well. And, 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 a, and a number of football titles. But when I was doing a little bit of research on it, I, lo- I looked at one of them. I think you scored 1-6 or 2-6 in a football final as well. So you were obviously a fairly decent footballer you know was there ever a, a love for football in it was it was it always I, I notice with the clubs that I'm involved with here that I, I, I see the football side of it as more I know this is going to sound disrespectful but I don't mean it to be but the football is more of a fun thing that we drop the hurdles for a week and we'll, we go out and game a game of football and is that the case and, yeah, and did you enjoy it?
1: I think it? it is like I love playing football I I always loved it from a very young age I, I just I just took to it and you know I suppose if I was in any other county um, it'd be all different <laughs> different story but um, no I, I love playing it you know but I think like I, I think it's just it's just the way Kilkenny is that they don't take football so seriously and you know it is just down the hurls for a week and uh, it's not even for a week it's just for a night because we never used to train well I'd say we, you count on one hand maybe the times the amount of times we've trained football training um, so like but like we, li- we like to put in the effort as well when we go out in the field nobody wants to lose um, and, and it's funny like because when you go out into the field you know it's all a laugh and a joke beforehand and when you go out into the field then and there's lads Hockeying into you and throwing fists at you and <laughs> all this kind of stuff on the football field. Then it starts getting serious, you know, and nobody wants to lose then. And, you know, you're nearly devastated at the end of it that you didn't in more effort if you do get bit. Um, but, like, any of the lads I speak to in the club always, always enjoy uh, playing football. And, you know, it's a nice break as well away from hurling because you're hurling all the time, from January probably to, you know, September or October. And, you know, if you can train a couple of football games, you know, it's, it's a nice kind of a, it breaks it up nicely.
0: It does. And, uh, like, one of the points that you've said is you're kind of, you're playing hurling from, <clears throat> and in your case, you're playing hurling from, and this is when you were winning football titles, you're you're playing hurling from January right through till September, October, and then pre-season is starting for right. club to get back and county starting pre-season again. It, there's no break, but I, I just think, with the point that you're making about the football like it is when the referee throws the ball up there's 30 men out on that field and they want to win that match but after you're, you, you you I notice this again like there's no pressure the pressure that comes with James Stevens playing in the county semi-final when the whole parish is now turning up to Nolan Park that pressure is on your shoulders and it does take a lot out of the body. Never mind the game scenario, but there is pressure on you to achieve. But in the football sense, I'm sure there wasn't a massive amount of green and red flags parading down to the senior semi-final. And I just wonder, because that allows it to be a bit more fun, when you won your senior football titles, um, were the back to the clubhouse, was the cup filled, was there a bit of a crack night or was it, do you remember?
1: Yeah, absolutely there was. (laughs) Uh, Like uh, Even going back further than that, from before I was playing, I remember going to football finals at the the village arena. After the one, it was back to the club then as well. And like they're probably not celebrated, you know, as much as it would be if it was a hurling county final. But like
0: you give it a good shot.
1: Yeah, from the time from the time I was young lad, and I can remember going to football finals. Like I can remember, lads taking them fairly serious. know, going out and as Corbin's time went on then Hurland kind of took over and um, there was a couple of times we went down intermediate and you know a couple of barren years kind of and then we came back and we said we'd give it a right go and we won the intermediate championship and came back up and we haven't won the senior yet since so um, hopefully I might stay playing the football and see if we win the senior (laughs) again but uh, yeah, look, they are celebrated and, you know, they are really worthwhile if you do put the effort into it. But like I say, Hurland, when you're living in a Hurland County, it just takes over everything. And unfortunately, um, the football nowadays is kind of ran off before uh, before March, I think, before Patrick's Day yeah. County Final is usually played. So. And, and that's unfortunate. But look... There's a fixture pile up as well, you know, as regards Hurling and all this all the adult teams and and that kind of stuff. So the County Board are probably left with no choice. And when you started playing with
0: with Club Hurling, I was kinda just looking back on it there and one of the first team sheets I seen you down on, I can't remember was it with your school or was it with James Stevens, but you were in goal. Um I I did read that right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) okay, so that's okay. I just thought when you were looking at me there you were wondering, where's he after getting this? (laughs) Um but did you play in goal then at underage level for a certain period of time. Yeah, I tell you what happened. Um, I have a fair idea how we'll probably end it
1: probably <laughs> <laughs> ended. Um I I was say Jackie Turtle's age group, I uh, would have been a year younger, <coughs> two years uh, younger, younger than that. And they they had a really good really good underage team, but they had no goalie. Uh, and I was like, when I was that age, when I was 15 or 16, I was small and, you know, I was never going to make their team. So I said, you know, I'll give this a crack. Glads asked me to go in, so I went in anyway. So I, I think I played maybe, I played two or three years maybe in it. And uh, we won the county final in in, uh, in the under-16, uh, Jackie Turrell's uh, uh, age group, say. We won the county final relatively handy enough, I think. I played a goal for the whole team happy as Larry no problem so when I was up to the age then under 16 obviously I came out the field and I played at my own age but when we were a minor um, when, when Jackie Turner's age group were minor then uh, there was uh, I, I was playing a goal again and uh, like I say it was just a skinny young lad Jackie Turner was playing full back so he used to have to come back and take the puck because I couldn't reach the 65 <laughs> uh, at that stage so well, the season was going on anyway and, and we got to we got to a league semi final in Cail um, uh, against Ballyhell Shamrocks, I think. And a couple of minutes to go, on, uh, I think it could have been two minutes to go or three minutes to go. However, high ball came in, and I went up to catch it, and it slipped through my fingers into the. Day. So like I'm after, we, and we get beaten a pint. <laughs> I'm after. <laughs> I'm after. Uh, I'm after going goal, goal for uh, a team that's that I'm two years younger than and now I'm after costing <laughs> the match and I'm devastated in the restroom now I mean inconsolable in the restroom so I make the decision right then and there that's it my, my goalkeeper career is over I'm never playing in there again so Jackie Turner's father and Lee O'Connor were the were the joint managers so I went to him about maybe I say a week or two after the match and I said to him I'm done in goal I'm not playing in goal anymore and I said well you know like you'll have to fight for your place out, out the field uh, he said, you, you know, you won't be guaranteed a place out the field. I said, I know that, but I'm willing to fight. So that finished me in goal. I, I, I couldn't tell you who actually went into the goal. All I was concentrating the, the, from then on in was could I get me out, 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 out the field? <laughs> Which was was never really going to happen because I was so small. Um, and like Jackie Turner and all them lads were, you know, two years at, at that. Oh, yeah, the was way bigger than you. was massive. Um, so. So that's how it all that's how it all started. I did play in goal for the Cairns junior team as well in that period as well. So Tommy Lanigan was obviously in Cairns at the time and he was involved with a couple of teams in, in the club as well. So um so <laughs> he got me to play in goal for Keirns as well. But thankfully I don't think I, I ever they ever drop on into the effort gears
0: and you're probably I suppose Kilkenny will be very thankful that you didn't um, and I don't mean this, this disrespectfully but th- they would be very happy that you didn't excel in the goals because we would have lost probably a, an absolute starlet in the, in the forward line but uh, the reason you've given for playing in goal is a very fair one that you were young and it was yeah. a couple of years in advance but obviously your ambition and drive was, was going to be out the field uh, that's where you wanted to play
1: well, that's a, yeah. Well, that's where I wanted to play after that, definitely. And you know, I think, like, if that if that moment hadn't happened, you know, who knows? Because I I actually enjoyed <coughs> playing in, in goal. You know, now now would saying that, you know, I don't know what I have enjoyed playing in goal all the time. Uh, you know, the, the fact that I was playing with my own team out the field probably balanced it up a little. But who knows? You know, it it could have been. It could have been all so different had that mistake not, not happened. I could have said look I want to play a goal full time you know but I, I don't think I would have done that. I think it was just the balance was working was working right and I think out the field was was always where I was going to be.
0: And then kind of finishing up in school um, moving into you know kind of minor levels and then up into the under 21 scene you, you broke into the Ke- 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 under 21 panel quite young I think you did you have two or three years at at under 21 level with Kilkenny?
1: Yeah, two years. um, Two years under 21 level. So um, I would have been I broke into it in 2003. Uh, No, 2004 I broke into it. So um, I was just after coming onto the senior team in the club and um, I suppose I would have played the, the league games, you know, the senior league games in the club. Probably not, you know, burning it up by any stretch of the imagination, but like Mick Dempsey and Martin Ford, he, um, gave me a chance in there. And, you know, training with, you know, the likes of Tommy Welch and uh, Brian Dowling, uh, Jackie Thurl was in there. Um, you know, those, I actually, I think Jackie Thurl could have been overage, but the likes of those lads... You know, to, to get in and have a full season training with those lads you know, brought me on a huge amount
0: and then when you were in your second year with the under 21s that was kind of 2005 right. 2006 2005 I should say you got called into the senior panel then
1: yeah I was called into the senior panel I suppose at the end of 2004 um, well yeah I would have been called in but we were still in the club obviously and uh, we were just after winning the Leinster the Leinster club, uh, final and obviously Brian came into the dressing room and asked me what I go, you know what I go in when we were finished with the club and you know that's like that was that was a huge moment in my career I think you
0: floated out of the dressing room.
1: I know, I just, you know I was after playing okay in the, in the match as well, but like you know I couldn't tell you what went on for the rest of the night. You know I know we went back to the club and we had a good celebration, but um like that was all from a young, very very young age that's all I w- ever wanted was to play senior Rick and Kenny
0: and just just on when you come in there I, I was involved with the, the Wexford Camogie team a number of years ago and I, I just wanted because the reason the, the point to this one is I, I went to watch a club match and there was a specific young girl that we went to see because we'd been giving huge reports about her and, and we watched her and she was exceptional like we were sitting in the stands laughing saying this is this is going to be brilliant and in fairness the girl I leave her name out because she's actually went on to be very very good and she's a super person but the first week we brought her in we went into the dressing room after the game John went in and spoke to her and said look we want you to come in and train with the county next week and uh, in fairness because she was very young we met her when she arrived and we had a chat with her and the whole lot and then we said to her obviously with the the ladies they went in and got changed we weren't in the dressing room obviously but uh, she went in to get changed and we told them all to tog and wait for us when they're ready so the captain comes out and calls us to come in and have a chat before training and when we went into the dressing room I looked at her in the corner of the dressing room and she was white as a ghost and her legs were literally flapping in, 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 in the dressing room and when we were coming back out I said to the lads I said did you see her in the corner there Like, and the boys were like oh god and then we watched her she dropped every ball everything was going wrong and we called over one of the senior players and said listen will you put an arm around her and see what's wrong the problem for her was that she went into a dressing room at 17, 18 years of age and she was surrounded by a team of ladies that had won four All-Ireland titles that were literally in her her eyes gods and I just wondered your first day now you're lucky in the sense that Brian's from your club and there's a few other club men that you know but that first day when you rock into the dressing room and you're sitting down and the likes of DJ Carey are sitting across from you
1: what what was that like? (laughs) A bit like that it was tough it was tough and I suppose I think you have to be like you have to be you have to be mentally very strong to deal with that kind of a situation and and come out the right side of it. Um, but if you like, I grew up, I grew up in an era where DJ Carey was God, yeah. as you said. He was. Anytime I went out into the back garden, I was DJ Carey. <laughs> you know, so when you're going in and you're sitting down and you're looking around and you see DJ Carey, Peter Barry, uh, Henry Shefflin, Tommy Welsh. You know, all these lads have been starring for the past two or three, probably DJ and that, probably for the past 10 or 15 years, with Tommy Welch and Henry and all those lads for, you know, probably three or four or five years beforehand. Um, it's it's a tough situation to be in, but I think you can't have any self doubt. You know, you, you just have to revert back to the brain asked me in here, I must be good enough. You know, but, but like it does, it creeps back in again and again and again and you just have to keep the back out the door. And like for a for a seventeen or eighteen year old coming into that dressing room, as you said, that young girl, like she must have been petrified. Because I was twenty at the time, so I, I you it's know I was growing up a little bit at that stage, but it is very tough and it's it's a daunting place to be. But I, I think once you once you're willing to go in and just work hard, put your head down and work hard and, and not look for an easy I think it becomes not easy but it becomes manageable then and
0: you kind of we touch on DJ a small bit but um, obviously I live in Goran so we, we kind of DJ's he's still very much got uh, in, in, in the area there's, there's no one to dispute it but I th- was it 2006 that James Stevens beat Young Ireland's in the... Oh, in well, 2004.
1: 2004.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, You played in that game yeah. in 2004, and I think you scored nine points in that game. DJ missed the penalty, he put it over the bar. I wouldn't say that had happened too often. No. Um, But the, the the reason I'm bringing it on to this is, like, DJ was kind of at the tail end when you were yeah. going into that, dressing room at the start. And I just wondered, in the first training session, fair enough, you get over that hurdle of... Okay, I'm gonna get these butterflies out of my stomach, and you go out onto the pitch. Now, I'm I'm sure you probably won't remember it. You might remember it vividly enough, but in that training session, did 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 On Larkin turn it on straight away? Get out there, get out in front for every ball, and win them, and and, and fire himself into it. Or were were nerves kind of pushing you over? And were you relying on? Did did any player like a DJ Carey come over and put a hand on your shoulder and say? just calm it down or you know was yeah. there was there any of that type of or uh, how did it go I
1: don't I don't I don't really <clears> remember but I know for a fact I didn't burn it up I, uh, <laughs> the first day but I don't remember the the, the actual training session but uh, like uh there would have been there would have been a number of lads that came over and probably seen I don't know, I've probably seen potential there and you know, wanted to try and get, unlock it. Um, I do remember James McGarry coming uh, coming to me a couple of times uh, before trend to say we we could be training at 7 o'clock and I'd be over there at 6 or quarter past 6 and be out in the field and James McGarry would always be out fr- first and um, so we, I'd start poking around, but he would be absolutely lacing balls at me and I'd be running <laughs> around like an idiot. You know, we touch, it would be off or whatever. And he'd be, you know, barking the orders at me. Come on, get your touch, get your touch. Fast, 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 fast. And like by the time Brain had come out and, and get the train started, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be getting, nearly gassed, But when I look back on it, like it was that, it was that type of trend that, you know, brought me on huge amounts. You know, that, that, he was demanding stuff out of me which I should have been demanding out of myself but I just thought you know when you go into a club training session you puck around you know just relax have gently a, drift have old, into it have an old chat there and you know when you go in with Kenny it's a totally different um, situation but I I was I was taking the opinion this is going to be like club training we'll go in and we'll have a shite talk and we'll you know puck around for a while and James Harry just stood he just stood about 30 or 40 yards away and just pelted balls at me this was every night in training but it's funny because you think after the first night I'd say I'm not going out there again but I was getting out earlier and earlier to get more and more of it in before we'd start training and obviously it helped with conditioning and a bit of fitness as well and your own touch as well yeah. obviously was improving and it. the touch obviously had to improve because he was just otherwise I was just going to be running back and forth for for a ball so like None of them would have come over and put their arm around me and said, "Look, listen, it'll be grand. But it's those type of things that you know they take the, the time out to to help you out to make you settle in, you know, to, to be friendly with you, and have a chat with you about about your touch and you know about how you can improve and things like that.
0: And the lead up to your first All Ireland final, you like you weren't you weren't in the senior panel a long time when you got to your first All Ireland final, um in the build-up to them games, and the reason I ask it, in the build-up to them games, is it the senior players you look to for guidance? You know, like I've read articles and I've seen famous situations, even with Kenny down through the years, where certain players that stand up in a dressing room and they lead a team. It happens in club games every day of the week. There's leaders in the dressing rooms. But for you yourself, in the build-up to your first All-Ireland uh, final, you know, was there was there any players that, did the James Stevens boys stick together? Or, you know, I... I don't even know how to put it across but like the team the team is a big thing it's about a collective yeah. group of people going out in the field Owen Larkin performing in Crow Park won't win Kilkenny in All-Ireland unless there's 14 other men yeah. or 16 other men I just wondered in the early stages could you see who the leaders were in the dressing room or what way did they pull you all together sure,
1: like the funny thing about it is it's, it's hard to it's hard to say you know who were leaders in, in, in that kind of a dressing room because like they were all leaders you know you, you, JJ Lady was injured that day but still you know, had a huge part to play. Um, Jackie Turrell, obviously, was captain that year. Tommy Welch was there. Derek Ling. You know, had a, just a phenomenal group of players. And, and everybody, you know, everybody done something for the team. You know, whether that be, you know, don't do any talking and, and do it on the field. But the funny thing about it is you knew which lads were going to uh, say a few words and you knew which lads were going to do the talking on the field. You know, so... And I think we all we all had our part to play in that as well because, um, like as Brian used to say, there can't be just one leader out there. You all need to lead, you know. And you, you'll do that in different types of ways. As I said, some will try and give the rally and cry in the dressing room before you go, and some will just do it by the way they play it. And and that was just the way it was. Like when you look back on it, it's it's mental because, like the team we had in two thousand six is. <sighs> The careers they went on to have was yes. just it was just mental, and but like Brian could obviously see that because he was a hundred percent sure. Even after JJ Laney Lenny went down with the injury the week before the, the All Ireland, there was no doubt in his mind that we were going to win the, the All Ireland, and uh, and it turned out that way. And and then obviously we went on, but um like those lads were leaders for years and years and years, and, and just got to that stage then. That, you know this is it now we'll just take this on and
0: the occasion itself like I spoke to Taggy about this a uh, c- couple of months ago we were just chatting and we were joking a mess and messing. it's very easy to joke a mess after the events yeah. when you're finished and it's all done but we were on about the parade before the All-Ireland final and uh, what I likened it back to was Tommy Walsh York on the radio he was building up to an All-Ireland final and Kilkenny were playing in it but Tommy Walsh it was famous enough the article was in the paper the next day and I was reading and I'd heard him on the radio and he was talking about the parade the parade was happening on the field yeah. and Tommy Walsh was in the commentary box and he was explaining the emotion he'd have been going through right now but the the article in the paper the next day was the journalist that was writing it had said that he was driving home to watch the All-Ireland Final with his wife and his wife was listening to Tommy Walsh and turned to him and said this must be some match you know the match that's on yeah. and he said I think he's talking about the parade and I, I wondered because I said it to Taggy the way Tommy had it like the hairs were standing on the back of my neck and I know sometimes in a dressing room you can build a team up too much that they explode and you you do want your teams to explode into a game but you need to you can't have them boiling over if they boil over you're in trouble and I just wondered the first parade for you because it's a big thing 83,000 people you're a young guy you're on that Kilkenny team do you remember what the first parade was like and then as you got older and as your career went on did the parade change if you know what I mean were you able to I asked Taggy could he ever look up into the stands and enjoy himself and he said he did the last time he did it but he said he got taken off after <laughs> about 20 minutes but for you yourself Owen, what was that like?
1: Yeah look that was it's it's a bit surreal because you know when you're a young man growing up you you dream about these things about being in a parade and all around the final day and 82,000 people looking in but like it's a totally different getting a fish when you're there Um <laughs> You know, I, I can I can vividly remember being in the first parade and walking around and purposely not looking either side to see what was going on in the stands and I remember I was trying to breathe but my breath was trembling. And we're you know, we were after doing the warm up and all that and as you say, you know, you have to stay calm for half three or whatever time it is, like and then yeah, go. But we were after doing the warm up, so I was after getting my second wind and everything and I, I was walking around and my breath was trembling and I said, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> and I, I'll never forget and I I couldn't wait to get out of the just to get started so I could be somewhere normal again. You know, so like, and obviously when you go on then you get a bit of experience, it just becomes a thing you have to do then. Obviously, you, enjo- you enjoy it but you're so focused on what you have to do next. You know, as regards, you know, the match is going to start now in probably five minutes. What do I have to do you know, to to kind of get keep us over the, the line yeah, yeah. Keep the, you know, keep the focus for the match. But like, it's hard to enjoy those occasions because just there's, there's, there's a huge thing coming right after them But when you look back on them, then um, I I used to never try and look at the crowd or anything like that. I just be solely focused on on the job at hand. And have you have you ever looked back on the videos
0: of yourself in the parade? Yeah. And. W- like, what do you think when you look at them? I often, I, like, I, I I, seen a Dublin team doing it one time. You might remember in '95, maybe you're a bit too young, but in '95, Dublin won a football Ireland title, Ireland title. Jason Sherlock was the poster boy of football at the time. Probably still, you know, he could still argue who he is, yeah. but I remember him in the parade because Westmead were in the minor final beforehand, and I remember him giving the the guns up to Hill 16 going by, you know, and I remember taking to myself, <laughs> you know there's no if If I was there my feet be, I'd be looking at my feet and the lad in front of me would be directing me on where I go and I wonder does he look at it and think Christ what was I thinking you know
1: yeah well I'd say he probably doesn't I'd say if any of us traded we wouldn't have been starting <laughs> okay, there we'd have been blatantly tall get up to the stand there but uh, yeah like I i wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do that you know because then your focus is, is not on what's coming next it's uh, our surroundings and all that kind of stuff, um, and as you say, I, my my focus was the lad in front of me or his boots, you know, the heels of his boots, and I seen, I seen a couple of, them you know, just looking down, and, and you look up for a few minutes and or a few seconds, and then, you know, every the the crowd just gets into your peripheral vision, so was head back down then and, and keep focused again so I couldn't I, I don't know could I I don't know could I give the smoking guns <laughs> up to the hill uh, with a full uh, hill 16 and up there imagine you're after getting bet there <laughs> there be some questions asked and like you
0: know lots of players and it's a question you can ask players when, when their careers are over you know you, you, like, you've like you had a, those exceptional years throughout <laughs> it I think um, it's, been, it's been said a few times you know that you were very underrated as a hurler for what you did um, and even talking to just some of my own friends and, and lads that'd be really good Kilkenny hurling people and I'd always say to them you know Kilkenny hurlers that, that really excelled and starred and your name comes up very very regularly and, and, and one of the years was obviously in, in 2008 you obviously got the recognition you deserved in the year that you had but you, you went on and among the, the hurler of the year that year and you got an all star but I think a few of my friends anyway would say it regularly that, you know, one hurler a year probably wasn't enough for what Owen Larkin deserved in his career. Two All-Stars definitely wasn't enough, that he was probably unlucky in the sense that he was in a team of a huge amount of players. And then when the All-Stars are knocked out, they're not going to give 15 Kilkenny hurlers an all Star. So then I get killed for this regularly now. I I honestly believe there's about nine All-Stars given to players that deserve them and then because that team have won the All-Ireland there has to be token gestures fired in there so then hurlers like Owen Larkin miss out on an all-star because some clear hurler had two good games early in the championship and we have to have a Claire player in there like do you look back on on the accolades and do you think maybe I could have deserved more or are you, are you proud of what you've achieved and you're happy enough with that uh,
1: yeah look I am proud of what I achieved you know I, I don't think when I was I suppose when I was in 2002 when I was 18 and you know only brought into the minor panel uh, the minor kick any panel for the all Ireland semi-final and never got any minutes you know if, if, if somebody had to tell me then what I would have achieved in hurling, you know I'd have whipped the hand and all of them you know but like obviously you know I think probably you know 2008 was probably probably the year for me you know the, I, everything clicked for me do I think I, I deserved another hurler a year? Probably not. No, not probably not. I didn't. Um, maybe, did I deserve one or two more all Probably. You know, that's that's my own thinking. And um, Like, I would have been disappointed in 2007 not to get one. Um, uh, probably lucky enough to get one in 2009, but uh, I think probably 2015, then I, I think I had a good year as well, and, and 2014, probably a decent enough year as well. So, like, I think probably two more All-Stars maybe probably and I'd have been happy but look I'm not going to complain Yeah, I know. a hurler a the year and two All-Stars and and as I said before like if you offer me All-Stars or All-Ireland medals I know which one I'd be taking every day of the week and you know I, I suppose there's there's a good few brilliant hurlers around the country that have gotten numerous amounts, amounts of All-Stars and, and have never won an All-Ireland so I'm sure they'd, they'd switch them all as well for one All-Ireland so um, look I'm I look back on it with pride and happy that, that I was able to do it and happy, I suppose, that I had the career ahead. And, like,
0: you won the Herd of the Year Awards you won it in when you were 24 or 25 years of age, so you're probably in the, the peak, mm. you know, really in the peak of your career. Like, I, I would say you've, your body has matured as much as it's going to at that stage in your life and your fitness levels and all. But there's a work-life balance as well that, that has to... Like, do, do, do you know where I'm coming from here that you start work for the first time when you're 18 and 19 and I see it with club hurlers there's 18 and 19 year old club lads with my own club and they're sending in their run times and I've 29 and 30 year old players texting me saying Christ on a bike Eddie how am I meant to keep up with this fella and I'm saying well that fella hasn't went out and worked on a sheep farm from half six this morning before he done his 3k run there in the you saying time but for you yourself you started in, in, in the military you went into the army like I always think like I come from a garrison town Athlone is a massive barracks up there and I know our clubs at home Gary Castle and Athlone and the football the soccer team St Peter's uh, and Willow Park my own club did kill me for saying St Peter's first but obviously Willow Park but the clubs at home the army players that we get back they come with a conditioning level that we could only dream of having through it did the army did it really help you in your hurling career like was it a was it a big factor when you look back
1: now absolutely yeah I think I don't think I would have physically I definitely probably wouldn't have been in uh, in probably the, the shape I, I was um, I wouldn't have been anywhere near it I'd say and mentally I think it helped me the most you know because it it kind of it kind of created a monster in me because like if you ask anybody around the club or ask me mother and father I was the laziest young lad <laughs> you will ever see you know and there's no getting away from that but um I think going into the army really really benefited me um kind of it kind of brought me back down to earth a little a small bit kind of and you know going through tortures <laughs> amounts of training and you know just hardship in general you know and and I think that can that can only uh, help you know sports people in general you know that you, you you go through those hardships you come out the other end and you laugh about you know and but it, it it makes, you, it makes you realise then that you actually have a well and you can go to it uh, you, you can go to it come back up over it and go back to it again and come back up over it again so like it definitely definitely helped me and I 100% say without the army I wouldn't have I'm not saying I wouldn't have played with Kenny, but I definitely wouldn't have lasted in there. And like with the
0: army itself, it's just what you're saying about the well, and and it's something that we look at players in games. And it's 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 when the chips are right down and you're on your knees and you've tucked that belt and the air has gone out of you. Some lads can actually give up at that point, but with your army training and your grounding you're on them knees and that's sometimes in the initial training especially with the recruits at the start I've seen it with Jinxie at home and Athlone and I've watched them running them on the road and I see lads half dead and I watch him and he's tearing them asunder and he's the nicest guy in the world now but by God I wouldn't let there's no army recruit in Athlone thinks he's a nice fella he's a complete header but they do they don't kill you but they'll bring you as close as they can to it and is
1: it to prove to you that you can do this. That That's exactly it. It's to prove that you can you can do it. They'll, they'll bring you right down and, you know, as you say, nearly finish you and then drag you back up. And, like, it's, it's a hard one to explain because it's an unbelievable feeling, you know, to, to know that you've gone through all that and you can get through it and come out the other side of it. Because there's plenty of lads going to the army and... You know, the first lad that shouts him, oh, "I'm out here." It's good luck. It's not for me, and it, and it's not for everybody. You know, but like if you can withstand that kind of torture, torture, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Like you know, in 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 today's terms, probably we probably shouldn't be saying torture, but like that's what it is. You know, <laughs> if you go, if you go into your room at the night time and say, "Oh, jeez, I love that today. That was unbelievable." There's something right, really wrong yeah, with it. Yeah. because that's you're, you're going into the room and you're saying jeez that was torture today but then at the end of it like you know at the end of the recruit training, there's a passing out and all that kind of stuff and um there's there's a bit of a do after and, and you know it's unbelievable the way the army can t- can mould 30 or 40 lads into nearly one to do the same thing and everybody come, becomes friends you know, friends for life friends for life yeah it's unbelievable the way it works but like people looking from the outside looking in and say oh, it's not right and all that kind of stuff but for a sports person it's ideal did you love it I didn't love the training no I know you didn't love yeah. the
0: training but did you like do you look back at your time in the army and say like you're finished in the army now yeah. like I, like you, to me it seems to, like you enjoyed your time in the Defence I Forces
1: I loved I loved the army I did I really loved it um, like I say I didn't love the trend I hated that part of it but at the end of it I loved looking back and you know and and thinking about the crack we had Like it wasn't crack at the time but when, when you look back on it it was unbelievable crack that we were having Like you know in a room with eight or nine lads for 26 weeks, like you know, it's, <laughs> it's unheard of, like you know. But and then you, you're going off doing different types of stuff and crawling through this and crawling through that, and run, the guts being ran out of you. And you know, it's, it's never enjoyable doing it, but it's always when you look back at it, it's a sense of achievement. And then,
0: like, I won't ask you. Did you ever get bored in the army? It wouldn't be fair, um, but because obviously there was there was other soldiers that said yeah. that they found it boring sometimes. But I know at the time, and I know talking to lots of lads at home that they genuinely and they'd say that to me. A lot of my friends, obviously coming from Athlone, there's so many people in the army there, and they, like like you, they didn't love getting ran up in cabin and killed and told to stay out in the rain for two nights. This type of stuff. But when they look back on it, it was brilliant for them. But very early in your career. In the army, you did have that situation where there was a tour of duty. I can't remember where you were going to. I think it was Kosovo originally, Impossible wasn't it? And, you know, you were just, I won't say you were a stalwart to the Kenny K- K- Senior hurling team. You're probably two or three years under your belt and the tour of duty came up, which is a, an essential part of the army role. You had to have that conversation with Brian uh, how did that conversation go down and, and what were you thinking Like, it, I, I think it's mad but this is genuinely this was really on your mind even though your career needed you to do these tours of duty it was vital for your career in the in the army
1: yeah.
0: but like, Kenny Herlam was still to the fore in your decision making
1: Yeah well look I decided you know there, there's Kind had of two tours was a summer one and a winter one so obviously I was going to try and go on the winter one which is October to April or May could have been early May so like I was after being on the team for probably two, three years maybe so obviously it was after becoming out you know, I, I was going overseas so I took the decision to, to ring Brain. I was going to ring him anyway so I, I rang him and I just said look you know I'm going overseas and he said yeah <clears throat> I do he said and I said look I just just from my own head, I said, You know, am I going to be involved next year? And he said, Do you want to be involved? And I said, Geez, of course I do, yeah. Well, then you'll be involved, he said. So <laughs> that put my mind at uh, ease straight away, you know. And then the conversation went on to, Well, look, just keep in touch with Mick Dempsey and, and do a bit of training out there and whatever. But you just go back to a point you made earlier on about the army, about work life balance and, and hurling and things like that. Like, I when I came back from Kosovo, that was the year I won hurler of the year, yes. So when I was out in Kosovo, there was a massive big tent up the back of the camp in Kosovo with all the amounts of gym equipment that you could imagine right and outside the camp then there was a there was a road we used to run out the road and there was a big loop it was probably six or seven k of a loop um, and I used to go out and run that at two o'clock every day uh r- run the loop or maybe run it twice with a couple of lads. Everybody would be going out for a run, so and then I go into the gym in the night time. Now, if I was here and I was with my wife and kids <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, there's no way I'm doing that. Trend. There's no way i want to get. I might get the the run in, or I might go get to the gym, but there's no way you're doing the two of them in one You know, so like that, I think that had a huge impact on the 2008 season uh, season for me because mentally I had nothing to worry about you know I had to go up I had to do my job go on patrol you know whatever you had to do out there and then it was training
0: you had loads of time then to, yeah. to do this
1: and I went into the mess at 7 o'clock in the morning probably 12 I can't remember the times 12 o'clock or half 12 in the afternoon and 5 o'clock in the evening time and my my grub was just thrown out to me so I had my breakfast my lunch and my dinner and you might get a bit of fruit then or a, a roll in the night time before you go to bed or whatever so like I had not else to worry about i go up do my job and go train so like you were able to live
0: a professional athlete's life as a life. professional
1: athlete for, for the six months yeah.
0: and did you feel when you came back obviously the performances that you gave when you came back showed that you had trained like a professional athlete and you, you had a step on everyone you played against that year
1: well, well I trained I, I trained six days a week twice a day for the six months now barring bar maybe two or three weeks or we went on holidays in December and I I was home in November for Peter Clear's wedding as well so so barring a month say two two times two times a day for 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 the six months six well, days a week and so, so like you know if you all tell your girlfriend or your wife that you know, forget <laughs> it's, about
0: it just, just to pick up on the point that you're making about about your, your long suffering wife um, who would have had to put up with all of that career uh, I remember reading an article one time and it was about Tiger Woods and golf and they asked the commentator how will we stop this guy I don't know if you've ever heard this one but he was winning majors left right and centre like golf tournaments were just being tore up by Tiger Woods and they said to him Get him married, and <laughs> that'll slow him down a small bit because they felt his focus was solely on his his devotion to golf. But as soon as he got married, the form would dry up. Now I'm not saying that it was because he got married that the form dried up, but it he didn't he did stop winning majors yeah. after he'd gotten married. But but in your situation, like when kids started coming along, and look, don't get me wrong, getting married, having kids, it's brilliant. But when when the kids started coming along, and and then you'd work, and then your family life did it become did it become harder to balance that and then in some ways was there guilt about it as well like you know I have a big match in the morning and there's a there's a baby there and you have to let the wife do all of that type of stuff What you know how did that work for you? Yeah
1: it, it did it did change it because like you know when kids are there you know unfortunately they need to be looked after like, <laughs> you know unfortunately or unfortunately <laughs> but they need to be looked after and uh, you know it changes it changed, uh, I suppose, the perspective that, you know, you can't be in the gym tonight, you know, because your wife or girlfriend is going out or she's, she she actually wants to do something with her life, you know, <laughs> one night a week. So, like, I was training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, with, with Kilkenny at the time. So, like, there's very little time for, I suppose, you know, a couple time or time that she needs for herself to you know get away from the kids or that so like it was impossible for me to to go to the gym um, in the evening times but when I was in the army see I could I could do all that during the day you know so like it became it became it became my life then like you know Go, go in do your job get a bit of time for training during the day if you're not training that night or go and do a bit of recovery work or go up and get up to the physio or something like that. So, like, the army was brilliant to me. I I, I actually couldn't say a bad word about the army. <laughs> like, without that, my career would have been probably over, probably three or four years uh, before I actually retired. And in, in in
0: your last season, in your last season with Kilkenny, I think it was your last season with Kilkenny, it was either your last or your second last season with Kilkenny, you went to Syria. Is, yeah. that, is that right? Was yeah. it your last season with Kilkenny? Yeah. So the tour of Judy in Syria at that time, it was a similar, it was a winter tour again. But you returned back to the Kilkenny panel, was it April? Yeah. Around April you came back into the team at that stage. And there's a big difference in a 24-year-old Owen Larkin or a 25-year-old Owen Larkin returning back from Kosovo. If you, if you get me, like, yeah. as a physical human being, we all get older and we all change. In Syria, and, 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 I, and I'm I genuine with this, he can't drop you now. Um, <laughs> but, but in Syria, that second time, in the back of your mind, were you thinking, hold on now, I won't hurt it a year when I come back from Kosovo. So did you go to Syria and put in the same mammoth effort? Or in that tour of duty in Syria, did you think to yourself, you know, I can't be expected to do six miles a day and a gym session every night? You know, what? how would you compare the two tours? Were they, were they similar in your own? <clears throat> and I don't mean in effort. You know, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you the mindset of it. Were you thinking back to the cost of a trip and how it improved your hurling? And did you say to yourself, I'm going to do that or was there a different old Larkin on that Syria trip?
1: Yeah, well, b- before I went over, I had it in my mind that I was going to come back and get ordered here. year. Okay. okay. Um, when I got over there, it was a totally different uh, kettle of fish. <laughs> but I had like... As you say, I was twenty-four when I went over there, so I would have been or over to Kosovo, so thirty-one or two, maybe uh, when I went to Syria, and I had been struggling with a few injuries. You know, I had shoulder problem, I had hip trouble, my back was giving me, you know, I had all these kind of long-standing injuries. It was not major, but they were just there, niggly you know, injuries, yeah, niggly injuries, and I could never get them right. So when I went over to Syria, I said, "I'm going to stay away from the gym now." And try and loosen myself up and I'll, I'll do the running and I did i I, I done the same running as a, there was a, inside the camp there was probably a kilometre and a half maybe two kilometres of a track inside the camp and i done that every day without fail Well, I just purposely stayed away from the gym because I had built up i say enough muscle I thought I was big enough I didn't need to be yeah, your core was right you no know, I was strong enough <coughs> you know so I uh, that's That's what I kept telling myself. But like, as you said, there's a big difference between a 24-year-old coming back and getting straight back into it and a 31 or 32-year-old coming back and jumping straight back in. And that was the part I had, I never thought of. You know, it didn't register with me that. It might be a little bit harder to get back your hurling skills or whatever when you get back uh, because you're eight years or seven or eight years um older. Older. So that that bit never registered me. So when I got back then it was a huge shock to the system. You know, and I kept telling myself, said I'm coming right here now the week before I think we played played Dublin up in poor Leash and I was playing. The week before that. Thought I was flying it. I got absolutely <laughs> playing out. Gone should have been got a half time, gone maybe ten minutes uh into the second half. You know, I just couldn't understand what was going on. So um to- totally you know, polar opposites to in both trips from two thousand and eight to um, twenty fifteen. Like,
0: was that was that extremely frustrating for you? I, I I spoke to a lad a couple of weeks back and he'd said to me that he used to always see gaps in the pitch, you know, in a game and he and he'd hit the gap of pace and the ball had come. But he said as he got older the gap seemed to be getting further away. So what he realised was his speed was slowing down. Um, but but for him, he found it extremely frustrating because he knew he had all the talent in the world, but his legs were starting to say, you know, I'm after giving you a fair run here. <laughs> um, but for you yourself, I I know you found it difficult enough at the time. You got back into the team, and, yeah. and the fairy tale end was 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 what it was what it was. But. Was there a period there where you kind of were doubting yourself or you were not, not even doubting your own ability but were you starting to was it starting to get into your own head that maybe the legs aren't there anymore or you know yeah. do you know what
1: I'm saying? Oh yeah absolutely and <coughs> I don't think there was any frustration there I think it was more self-doubt you know and it's, that, that may, might sound silly coming from a lad that you know had eight earned medals at this stage um, and he's self-doubting himself you know he's starting to and they got worse and they got worse because the following week or two weeks later, we played Galway goal Leicester final and I was gone at time, You know, so then they get worse and, you know, um, we all know what happened after that. So, um, like, uh, I could never, I could never get a handle on, um, you know, now people that know me would probably say I'm confident, cocky, fucker or whatever, but, like, I could never get, I could never get rid of the self-doubt that I had. I don't know whether that was from uh, 2002, I couldn't make the minor team or whether it was previous to that or whether it was, I don't know what it was because like, I used to go over to, when I started off with Kilkenny I used to go over on a Friday night before the, before the match and I, for the whole week beforehand I'd be telling uh, my wife and I'd be telling my mother and my father uh, getting them all ready I'm not going to be playing here the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> every single night every one of them shut up will you and this this was constant all 2008 right and 2008 then when I came back and I knew I was flying that went 2009 started a small bit coming back and just got worse and worse and worse after that
0: and, but you, you've like it's well documented you've had battles with your own mind you know yeah. throughout your career and and, and, and sometimes and I remember there was an incident a couple of years ago with Sam Smith, the the famous singer, and he'd been crying. It was only in the last 12 months he'd been crying and he was very upset with the whole COVID lockdown scenario and he was finding it really difficult. And I seen some of the comments that were being fired up and one of the comments was, you know, poor Sam Smith in his £100 or £80 million mansion and all this stuff and the whole lot. Next thing I seen the comment underneath it was saying that depression doesn't, uh, you know, select Rich or poor yeah. people, it's 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 a mind thing, and I think sometimes when you look at a player as decorated as yourself and as a career like that, that somebody from the outside looking in is thinking. Shh. What could he have wrong with his head? Like, I mean, yeah. in the name of God, sure, he's winning all Ireland's every day of the week. He must be walking around any with all Ireland medals dripping off him. You know this type of thing. But, but it wasn't. You know, it's it's it. The, the real thing is in that case. Like, I mean, it's 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 obviously something that you you've really had to battle with. You know, throughout your career. You know, and and in fairness to you, you you've come out the other side of it. But w- was that part of the reason that you were self-doubting yourself? Was that all? I'd say it was probably
1: all. Interlinked, you know, if I'm, if I'm being really honest, you know, like, as you said, you know, looking in, you probably should say, you know, there shouldn't be anything wrong here, because, like, he's hurling for Kilkenny, he's playing with one of the best teams, probably ever to play the game, you know, he's, probably, I don't think it was ever dropped maybe, once, maybe, twice, um, you know, and, kind of a mainstay in the team, so like, what could be wrong, you know, but then obviously, you know, it's, it's like the old saying, money doesn't make you happy. No. You, know, you can have all the money in the world but people are still not happy, you know, so um, you know, there's, there, there was obviously something wrong there and, you know, self-doubt was obviously part and, part and parcel of it and um, then, you know, in 2016 everything came to a head, you know, and um, like you say, I've moved on, I've got through it and, you know, plenty of people get through it, you know, you just have to I suppose you just have to, I suppose, be lucky and accept it and uh, and move on talk to somebody in, and talk and, to and, somebody yeah exactly but
0: just just on, on, on the tail end of it then y- you know retirement at 32 um, like TJ is what age now Is TJ is 32. 32 yeah like there's probably no question that TJ is going to be retiring this year we definitely won't be wishing it on him anyway but was your decision you went out on an All-Ireland final like uh, you know was your decision based on you Know my life now. You know, I've got three kids, I have a wife, I want to dedicate time to that. Or, or was it a collection of a few things maybe I found this year harder than any other year I found? You, do you know, I'll not put words yeah. in your mouth, Owen, but you know, how how did you come to the decision? I think
1: it was definitely a collection of, of a few things. Uh, probably the first thing was, um, I was starting a new job and you know, I was going to be doing shift work so and weekend work, so I was. You know, it wasn't going to work yeah it was going to be nearly impossible to, to work it the second thing was you know the self doubt was still probably there you know am I finished are my legs gone uh, all that kind of stuff and and the other one was then like uh, at the time I retired my eldest would have been uh, 10 11 and I had never been on a summer holiday with him, you know they had been away yeah. like during the summer you know, I just can't go. So they were probably the three things um, that uh, probably the, the job thing was demanding, obviously. But the other two, the other two things were were kind of part and personal of it. And you know, I had my belly full of it as well. Really, you know, I had I had gone back training and, and I went back in November or December and really struggling with the running. Now I know that would have improved but I don't know whether I had the belly to make it improve if you know what I mean yeah. you know I had gone to the well so many times uh, and I and like I say I had been struggling with the with a couple of niggling injuries anyway so um, like I, I used to have to go into physio and get dry three and four times a week to get ready for a training session so I just all that kind of stuff just played on my mind and I I just had it
0: off. So when you've made the decision in your mind, um, <laughs> you know you've made the decision. I, I, I'm moving on. I, m- I remember, and it's something I've I've always kept in my head as well. I remember listening to Brian talking one night at a, it was a, probably a fundraiser or something for an All Ireland final, it was something like that. And, and and the question was asked to Brian because there was a, there was kind of a an avalanche of retirements over a, a period of time, and you remember that you would have played through a lot of it. And I remember Brian being asked you know, are you just switching off the phone? Um, You know, is is, is it time to do that? And he said, no. He said, "Um, when a player has gotten to the stage where he's ringing me to tell me he's retiring, we're finished with him then because his mind has already decided that he's not on the job and, you know, you can't force these decisions. So, Owen Larkin's decision, I I, I assume there's an order. So, I want to know what was that order? Like, who was, was it? Anne first then your dad or what way did that go? To, to tell. Yes.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I think it was Anne first and then I called out to my father and uh, I told him and I called up to my mother I think and I told her.
0: And how's these reactions
1: going so far? Anne's delighted, anyway. Anne, yeah. <laughs> Anne's over the moon. <laughs> Anne's throwing a party, that Take I? the kids. <laughs> uh, my father was... My father, my father was upset about it. Yeah, you know, of course. There's no, there's, there's no pain denying it and him getting upset made me get Yeah, upset. of course. Uh, my mother, my mother was granted. My mother said, look, you're after having a great career, you know, time for something else.
0: No one was saying, like, was your dad saying, give it one more year or was he saying?
1: No, because uh, if I had to stay, if I had to be staying in the army, I'd say he probably would have, but he knew I was changing jobs, so I think he knew it was going to be impossible. Now, maybe he wouldn't have, maybe he's, he thought that was that was as good as I was going to get. Uh, he was after seeing me in 2016 as well, and uh, probably thought, yeah, the, the legs are probably got probably time to go. But yeah, but look, it was a huge part of my life for so long. You know, um, that it was it was a tough decision to make even, of course, yeah, even no. with all those with all those things, and then obviously, brain is the. Is the obvious one after that. You know. Phone call or call up the no, house? No, phone call. Like I was after meeting him before that and I told him I had been t- changing jobs. And he said, Look, uh, it'll it'll probably be hard to do. He said, But um, we'll try and work it as best we can if you want. So uh, I had been thinking about it over three weeks and then one day I just said, You know what? This first of all isn't going to work. If I have to do shift work and weekends, there's no, it'd be. Annual leave will be gone in February for the for the National League. So then uh, obviously three weeks three weeks later I woke up one morning and I said, Look, I'm done. That's it. So I rang him and I said, Look, this isn't gonna work. I said, I'm just gonna finish up. And he said grand, he said, you know, you've had a great career and blah blah blah. That was uh you Blast know. Her I, off. What?
0: Were you nervous like making the call? Yeah,
1: I was nervous. I ner- was nervous enough making the call, but in fairness to me, he turned around and said, Look, you've had a great career, he said, um you know as soon as you announce it you'll find out what people thought about you you know which was nice to hear from him as well um, you know even though I, I know him very well uh, and that was it really you know I hung up the phone and, and contacting Ed Queen and he wrote the but that was it
0: and then there was there was no day since the retirement you weren't sitting the lads I think they won in All-Ireland pretty soon after that didn't they? Did, did no they, win?
1: they were in All-Ireland <coughs> right, sorry end. 2017 was it?
0: Yeah, 2017. No, 2018. 2018. So you're obviously open Crow Park for the All Ireland yeah. final, and I, like, it, does it creep into your head when someone slaps the ball wide and you're throwing throw the problem sure on the ground? Look, you'd
1: love to be involved. Sure, like everybody loves to be involved in the All Ireland finals, but you know, you didn't to, miss the training. Nice to get there. Like, you know, <laughs> not, to be fair, not one single uh, day since I, since I retired have I regretted. So no regrets no, there. You've no and. Like I'd say probably a week after I I retired, I met Charlie Carter. I was bringing the young one up to swimming lessons, which I wouldn't have been able to do uh, had I been training. So I had her up in Spring Hill doing the, the swimming lessons, and I met Charlie Carter. I was in there, and he said, "You're retired." I said, "It is, yeah." Ah, look, you know, time best for no man or whatever. And he said, "Look," he said, "You live in a bubble when you're playing with Kenny." He said, "But well, he said there is life outside of, outside the of Kenny hurdle as well." And like, and I was kind of thinking. <laughs> This was probably a couple of days after I retired, you know. I kind of think I don't think that's true anyway. But he was he was he was so right; it was unbelievable. Um, because when you when you play for Gleeany or play for any inter county team, everything now I mean everything in your life revolves around that. You know, getting ready for training, eating the right foods, being hydrated, going to physio, uh, getting fit, going to the gym, recovery sessions. Uh, weekends away it was everything everything's focused my, towards yeah, that my game. life just revolved around her, and I'll tell you that you know you know she 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 wouldn't be very sporty was never into sport or anything like that and she just can't get her head around this you know how does someone put their life on hold they can't go out for a drink they can't go out for a meal they can't go out on holidays with their kids you know she just couldn't get this but like to me I was in that bubble and everything had to Everything had to revolve around that.
0: And just obviously, with the the, the, count, the the county scene, put the put the bed. Kenny Harland for you is in the is in the rearview mirror. You come back to the club, um, and in fairness, I often look and I wonder when I see players retiring. I love to, I love to see a player retiring with a little bit left in the legs because the club brought them where they are the club yeah. should never be forgotten and all of these things and I, I, I hate seeing Crocs coming back out of a county scene broke up and they can't give their club but in your last couple of years you did get another couple of good years um, out of the club after you'd mm-hmm. retired um, and I know I'd spoken to you off air beforehand but in, 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 in your last year your last proper year at senior um, <laughs> I don't I don't mean that in any way wrong the, two years oh, ago yeah, 2019, uh, 2019 yeah. you had you'd, you'd a very good year but the decision was made to bring you back to play in a kind of a an unorthodox center back role where you you kind of had a little bit of freedom in, in in the back line between your full back line and a half back line in an almost sweeper role without being as as rigid as a sweeper yeah. system you, you dropped in there and like the process that takes i have to applaud cheddar plunkett first and foremost because it was a pl- it was a it was a plan that worked it did work yeah. to a point unfortunately it didn't get you over the line in a county final but it got you to it but it must have been some balls. Like I, I, I love the thoughts of Cheddar Plunkett calling you side. He does look like a colourful character, but saying to you, "Oh, you sent her back on," you know, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like
1: it didn't actually go like that. To no, be honest. okay. <laughs> um, and it was, it wasn't actually Cheddar brought me back. Cheddar was manager last year. Sorry, but he was, he was, he was, he was selector. A selector the year before. And Seamus as the doesn't like to be called a manager, but he was there, and Cheddar came in with him. But like we were going through. I'd say one of the worst runs of form ever I'd say from maybe the previous previous year I'd say and into 2019 and the first two league games we were after losing after getting uh, we got bet by Benesbridge by a goal but we should have been bet by more I think and Mullava absolutely hammered us in the second game so we we didn't know how to do it, and I wasn't hurling well at the, at the time either in the forwards so we didn't know how to do, and Seamus is the rang me, and I was I was I was working here, and and uh, he rang me one day. Uh, I'd say I could have been uh, probably a little while after the of that match, and he says to me, uh, "What's what's happening?" He says, "I don't know what's going on," and I said, "Oh, jeez!" I said, "I don't know either." I said, "You know, we can't. We're not that bad, like we can't be that bad," and. I don't know how the conversation came up um, but I was playing wing forward and I was playing centre forward and I was playing full forward and I was out around the middle of the field probably the previous year or two years previous and uh, and um, Philly Larkin had said to me a couple of years ago he said they should play a centre back (coughs) and I said well I've never played in the backs of my life telling you, he said they should play a centre-back and it, it, it just kind of went over my head at that stage but then when I wasn't hurling that well and the team wasn't going that well and you know all those types of things come into your head and James winner rang me and he said and I said would you think about playing me centre-back <laughs> and he said it hasn't been discussed and I said Philly Larkin just said it to me a couple of years ago and I said, I never played in the backs in my life, I said. So, um, I don't know, I'll, look, I'll let you have a think about it and see. Because we were playing the Shamrocks in the yeah. next game. So, like, Mulder after after giving series, yeah, the series, <laughs> they were worried about students, this, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, training went on and uh, they, they ended up playing, playing me centre-back. But I, I found out afterwards Seamus was going down with Joe Murray another selector in the car and he was white as a ghost going down to Hugginsdown. to play him centre back and Joe Murray didn't make it any better he said that lad is after winning 8 all Ireland he's playing the 4s play and you're going to play him centre back but anyway it worked out it did you know, no it definitely and, did and another thing that probably made it work was King Kenny played uh, his first senior game uh, for for the village that night on TJ Reid and hurl him up a stick for an 18, 17 or 18 year old to do it you know to even ask him to do it Yeah. you know and to let me just sit back and just as you say just sweep, sweep up it and in and behind him try and give in decent ball into the forwards
0: and uh, like before before we kind of finish up there was kind of two or three other little small areas I want to talk about so the career is over <coughs> the club game we know where we're going with Ballin Killen um, it, it's it's just now that you're going into the management role, you're going to be managing a team. So before I ask you about what your plan will be or what type of manager you'd like to see yourself as, you know, it, it was just in the world right now, social media is very, <coughs> it, it, it's, it's it's out there. Everyone everyone has an opinion. Uh, you're probably lucky for the bulk of your career that you're not driving. I, I've seen it with teams now where they're taking phones off. lads going on buses because... <laughs> By the time you had arrived in Crow Park, Twitter have you <laughs> gone. You'd be dropped off the panel. But I know famously, and you, you've, you've obviously no problem talking about it, famously you were finished up and the boys got a trimming by Clare and, and you put up a fairly kick-in-the-balls type of a tweet. Um, I don't know if this is true, but the the story goes that they went on and won the league. I know that's true. But that following Sunday or Monday, you met Brian Cody on the road. Is this true? Like This yeah, did this happen. this is true, Yeah, yeah. So you met Brian
1: Cody... No, I, I rang him. I had to ring him for something. All right, <laughs> I, I had to ring him. It was good. It was a good while after it. and I had to ring him for something. I can't even remember why I was ringing him for. But I rang him and uh, whenever I asked him anyway, yeah, grand, no and, and and he said to me, uh, "Did you tweet about? Did you tweet about our performance yesterday?" Oh, I did. I said, I "Did not see it?" <laughs> no I didn't see it yet. must look it up but he obviously yeah, he said told him but, but his know, tongue he, in cheek yeah tongue in cheek yeah but like I, uh, it probably sounded more critical than I wanted it to at the time because I just felt that the effort really wasn't as good as it could be I didn't mind him getting bet that wasn't the problem I just thought that the effort wasn't the way they to, yeah the, the way, the way they got bet that nearly bothered me more and I was I was long retired as well, so it's probably a bit raw as well. Probably better to leave your phone at home when you're. Yeah,
0: I have seen it, and I do. I do wonder. You know, sometimes when is it okay? If if do you get me, like yeah. in four years' time, can I start giving out or? can I start giving out in four weeks time you know I think <clears throat> and I suppose it does hurt a little bit more from a player's perspective if it's a guy like Owen Arkin that soldiered with us for five or six years and he's having a right cut off us yeah, today well,
1: like, I'm, I'm sure it
0: wasn't meant as a no, personal insult to was, anybody no, it anyway it was
1: definitely wasn't meant as a personal insult Like as you say I, I soldiered with a good few of the lads that were playing oh, that no, I'm sure it was received yeah. in the
0: context that was put but,
1: in um, like it was you know it was just the way that they got paid and probably still that bit raw from uh, from from just having been retired and just just on 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 a, on a
0: similar line and it was uh, it's something that I I'd, I'd agree with you hugely. Um, the team that frustrate me the most in the world at the moment um, are the current Galway hurling team. Um, I was at pains to try and explain to the lads here and the lads in KCLR on the sports show that if this team lived up to their ability and potential and actually went out and put it into perspective you know really put it on
1: yeah.
0: they should be winning all irelands they they shouldn't be limping in a, like in a leinster final against kilkenny i i found it particularly a weak performance from from galway like kilkenny were there for the taking and it's not kilkenny won the game and a couple of you know inspirational scores and whatnot but it was a, it was a point that you'd made and it was something taggy had said to me previous taggy said to me he never feared playing against galway you know, he never played against Galway, and they were the one team that you, he always felt you were going to beat. That they beat themselves nearly half the time, yeah. and this year in the championship, it was something you alluded to that you felt the team spirit was maybe lacking within them. And I don't want to miss miss mis-
1: the Galway. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I suppose if you Galway have been like that for a good long time, you know that you never really knew what Galway team would show up. Right, and this, and I'll, ju- I'll just, I'll just give you an example here. So, if you go back to nineteen ninety eight, when Brian Cody took over, at the end of nineteen eighty eight, when Brian Cody took over, if you go back from ninety eight to nineteen ninety, you have nineteen ninety, Kilkenny O'Hara to be seen. Ninety one, betting in on all and final. Ninety two, ninety three to win it. Ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Not really anywhere to be seen you know, are not really a dominating team. Then you have 98 get to the All-Ireland Final, 99 get to the All-Ireland Final, bring Coley's first. From 2000 then, All-Ireland Champions, and you knew what you were getting from Kilkenny from then on in. You know, you knew, if you were going to beat Kilkenny, you were going to earn it. And the opposite side of the coin. Galway, you know, probably nine teams out of ten, Kilkenny would be. You know, they just, they lack, I don't know, is it leadership? Is it, is it the way, is it their mentality? I don't know, because they have unbelievable horrors. But they just lack that killer instinct to go out and we're not being bet today. Now, they might do that once in 10, that they'll go out and say, right, that's it. Look, We're beating Kikenni today, or we're beating this team, or we're beating that. But they're just, you never know what you're getting from
0: there's no consistency no
1: none whatsoever whereas if you take Kenny from the time Brian Cody took over it's fairly consistent you know maybe barring the last couple of years and now people will argue that well he had the best players available to him but if you look at Galway's players as well they, they have unbelievable orders and had for the last like 10 you, or 15 you, years you come out you come out the wrong side of a
0: game that is classed as probably the greatest all-Ireland semi-final of all time as somebody that focuses on defenses, I would say it most certainly wasn't the greatest All-Ireland yeah. semi-final of all time it was just I don't know it was like High score. well it was like yeah. two teams threw down jumpers and yeah. said let's go for it and we yeah. just bury balls yeah. everywhere but that Galway team you know and even and I'll put it to you my wife is from Galway this is why I'm so passionate about the Galway team and I know a few of the lads in the squad and in the panel and it's they drive me mad but I, I was at the All-Ireland final when they won the All-Ireland a couple of years ago against Waterford and I remember going into the big three after the game and the Galway footballer I can't think of his name now. the big stocky that plays centre forward for Galway and the footballer oh, full forward a yeah, no um, fine big lump of a fella he was standing in front of me at the bar you know now he was taking up a fair old whack of the bar too <laughs> and I wasn't pushing him out of the way but when we got to the bar there was an old man standing chatting to him and I was behind him getting a pint and we got talking just for a second and I was delighted to kind of meet him because I can't think of his name now but geez, he was a bull of a man but the old lad Said to him, you know, are you going out tonight, or what are you doing? And Bice said, ah, you were all, a lot of them were staying up in Dublin yeah. and they were are going out to the team hotel and it was going to be a horror of a session. And your man said, make sure you enjoy it, lads. You know, go to town on this yeah. now, absolutely go mad. He said because he said the last time we won the All Ireland, he said I thought we'd be coming up to Crow Park every year. And I think there was about twenty something years between drinks. Like there was, this was this Galway team that won the All Ireland under O'Donoghue was expected then to go and retain it. You know, because they were exceptional right. that season.
1: Yeah. And they haven't been seen since. No, but I do think... I I do think as well they won a a pretty weak All-Ireland. Oh yeah, no, even the game
0: against Waterford was a poor...
1: Like Waterford were... You know, they were... Like... They weren't weren't a good team. You know, they were... Yeah, no, no. They they were an alright team, you know, but like Klikenny's the Tipperary's, the the Corks, you know, were all gone. Um, You know, and that's... Like, if they... They should have kicked on from there, you know, definitely. But, the, but the thing about it is, they should have been kicked on from two thousand and five, because I remember watching the All Ireland final. In, I was actually on duty in, in the army barracks, I watched the All Ireland final in two thousand and five when, when after Galway beat us in that yes. in that game, and they had chances to go and take Cork, and they couldn't do it. And that just kept coming up. They kept getting chances all up along the years, and they couldn't do it. So I, I I like whether Shane O'Neill like it's it's, a, it's probably a tough year for Shane O'Neill to come in as well into the Galway management. He probably had his own ideas and, and what he wanted to do with him. And COVID obviously you know played havoc with that. But it'd be interesting to see you know if he gets a full proper year of preseason and and uh, implementing things that he wants to do with him. You know where it'll take him.
0: And what I leave it with you with today on, and and thanks so much for being so open and everything with us. But where I leave it with you is the Killen role now. You know what? What Owen Larkin will Killen be getting? Like, if I I i never ask you to say I'm going to style myself on, on Alec Ferguson. I know you're a Man United fan, but you know, and I'm not going to ask you that. What what way you'd see it? But how how is how is Owen Larkin's management? you know the the setup in your head is it you know the man management of people one to one drill based and training you know what what plan have you got in your mind now like what type of manager do you do you like to see yourself as
1: um i i don't really have any plan in in my head of what type of manager i want to be you know i want i want to improve the players if i can you know drill based stuff you know little game based stuff all that kind of stuff um, man management is part of the thing, you know. Just if I can help lands along and you know coax them into doing better than they have been doing, well and good. Um, but I I don't have any real plan as as to what type of manager I be. You know what I want to be a Brian Cody, what I want to be an Alex Ferguson or a Ray Keane not particularly. But you know if it, I'm sure situations situations will... will arise where I probably will need to be if you have
0: an Anthony Martial type player don't in the on.
1: forward line <laughs> <Don't laughs> do, do you want me to be Alex Ferguson and get the, and get the hairdryer out oh man I'm man you let your fan out don't get me don't get me going there no I, look, I have not in my head but look you know situ- situations arise in matches and training and things like that and, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I can deal with it in the best possible, um, the the best possible way. The management role will take on
0: a life of itself.
1: Ah, well, look, you know, I'm I'm, I'm passionate about hurling. I'm passionate about improving. You know, I I, I always wanted to try and improve myself and I, I'll try and improve um, the lads. And, and if, if I don't feel they're putting in the work, you know, well, then there's a chat has to be had and... Um, and, you know, I'm I'm not afraid of that either. You know, if that chat has to be had, it'll be had. Um, I've been given a responsibility to to bring on the senior team and hopefully uh, improve them. So, like, that's that's my commitment. And, you know, I gave that to the club. And, you know, they're a proud club down there. You know, great great couple of lads involved down there as well. So, um, so like, that's my commitment. And, you know, all the lads were delayed uh, I got the job. And... You know, there's a couple of lads with me from from Ballenkill as well, so they're they're delighted with the with the setup. This is what they wanted, um, and you know, the, I often say you have to be careful what you wish for because you might you might uh, you might just get it. So, but look, we're getting on well. You know, for the for probably three or four weeks, we were we were uh, doing a bit before lockdown. We were getting on well, and the lads were working hard. So, I don't really see any. No. Any problems arising in that in that sense? So hopefully, look, we can get back at as quick as possible and, and move along and hopefully, like I say, improve improve the lads and um, hopefully we'll be there thereabouts at the end of the year.
0: No, brilliant, Owen. As I said earlier, it's it was an absolute pleasure to have that chat with you there, and I hope people that are listening in are are, are very thankful for the how open you've been and a little peek in behind the curtains that we can see what was in there. But I'm I'm sure the ball and killing job. Would be the first step on, on, on a long and, and, and successful managerial career for you and, and every one of us here in KCNR and everyone on the Clash Act and in Kilkenny in general, you know, wish you all the best in the world. You deserve every success that you get in the future. And for tonight, thanks a million for the chat. And uh, look, I look forward to talking to you again over the course of the season.
1: Perfect Eddie I really appreciate it and thanks very much and enjoyed the, enjoy the, the chat
0: Brilliant That's it for this week's Clash Act uh, from myself Owen and Shane O'Keefe of course and I look forward to speaking to you all over the next couple of weeks